This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. My standard line has been everything that's been on the table with him because it truly is, you know, and so we, we really take it week to week and, and just make sure that we make the best decision for the club. And he, he's a guy that we've got tremendous respect for, and um, obviously he's done a lot of great things for the city and the organization and, and faced a lot of adversity with us last year and never flinched, you know, and I'll always appreciate that. So, again, we'll just we'll, we'll see where the draft heads for us and, and take it week to week with Andy. Always appreciate that. Sounds like past tense. Yeah. That was Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, on Andy Dalton, who could certainly end up in Jacksonville. I think they'll release him after this draft. There's no way they're hanging on to Andy Dalton. Also this, how weird is it? And this now happens a, a lot more in the NFL. But it's got to be so strange. Your your head coach is like 31 years old or whatever he yeah. is, right? Yeah. Zach Taylor's super young, I yep. think. Uh, I think McVay kind of young. Of course. Andy Dalton's older than him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that strange? Yeah. Like that is a, you know, it's funny. It's like, I'm not sure that's a big deal in the, you know, kind of like in our world. Like I would think now, especially at like my age at 42 years old, mm-hmm. about to be 43, like I'll have bosses that are younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a big, it, but I, it doesn't really register. But you almost think of like a guy like Dalton who's been in the league for as long as he has, and you got this head coach coming in. In that world, it seems a little odd. Yeah. You know? Yep. I wonder if that's an interesting dynamic. Now, sometimes it relates. Sure. McVay, and he comes in and he proves it, and you show your stuff, and you're like, wow, this guy's really got something. Same and so, with, bam, instant respect. Same thing with Brad Stevens, I feel like, too, and Butler. Good call. When we went to Boston. When he went know? to the Celtics. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But keep in mind what he did there. He didn't, like, inherit... I think he inherited some, but within the first year or so, he flipped that team and made it super young. Yeah. Almost like it was a college team. Let me ask you this. If you are a young coach, like a Brad Stevens, um, like a McVeigh, what is the hardest sport to come in as a young guy and try to earn respect in the locker room? Like, yes. like, would you think football because there's so many players? It's I'm more wrong about on Taylor, by the way. Taylor, Taylor's 36. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I thought he was more of the 31. He's assassin. Okay. Yeah, he's a 36. So, okay. but that's you get my point. It's yeah. still along the same. Uh, to answer your question, what would be the hardest sport to do it in? It's gotta be football, right? Or I guess, but then you know, it's 22 because catch 22 because obviously you have guys that can like coordinators that can enforce the, the your will as well. So well, and again, I think the amount of innovation in football, right? Mm-hmm. I think motivation is tough from that standpoint, but the innovation, if you're very wise from a, an offensive standpoint like McVay, you can get away with it. You know, yeah. you come from a tree of whoever else. Well, well, hey, they won there. That that's pretty respectful. Sure. Well, and I really think too, the NBA would be the hardest. Yeah. Because it's hard being an old coach in the NBA because the players run the team. That's a good point. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the coach is seemingly irrelevant mm-hmm. a lot of times yep. in, in the NBA. That's why I think you do give a guy like Stevens a lot of credit. I mean, they, he's done a nice job, and he's been through that, and he's now what he's been in there five, six, seven years yeah. uh, for the Celtics. But it's a really good question. I don't know the dynamic of hockey enough to know. There's not a lot of young coaches in hockey now. Well, when I was coming up, Peter Laviolette, he was a guy that worked in Providence, and then yeah. he ended up with the Bruins and ended up obviously in Nashville. I mean, that he had done pretty well at a younger age. Yeah. But I, I don't remember too many young hockey coaches I'll in the NHL. I'll say this with hockey, though, man. You had, you had to have been a decent hockey player growing up, you know, to be a coach, I feel like. Because, I think so. like, 
I can't name one coach off the top of my head that coaches hockey that didn't play hockey growing up. You know, like, right? Like, obviously in the NFL, like, there's some coaches that maybe played high school ball. Oh, but, yeah. But they didn't play a lot college more ball. Of that now. But, but hockey, man, like, for whatever reason, like, you've had to been a, good point. a, a pretty great player. That's and, probably why you don't have as many young guys, though, because exactly. they complete their career. Of course. And then get into it. And also keep in mind, too, the advantage that you have, if you're a younger coach, is you can relate a little bit. Like, look at Kingsbury in Arizona. Kingsbury's having these breaks, these timeouts during training camp for texting breaks, you yeah. know, and he's giving them high C and, and orange slices. Like, he's just, he's that type of guy, but you know what? I bet the players respect that. I bet the players are all about that, so. Yeah, you know, that's a good call. We were talking today a little bit about this whole Jan, uh, before the show, about this whole Jan situation and, and the, the Jags culture, and we'll get back to Shock Your Mock in a moment. we got yeah. a couple more to go, but just since we're on this, how do you build a culture Yet be good to the players where, you know, be player friendly, yeah. I guess you will, right? Where do you instill, because the immediate thing, especially if you don't win, is where's the discipline? Where's the discipline? This is a great illustration of it here in Jacksonville, right? You went from player friendly Gus Bradley to military style Tom Coughlin. Mm-hmm. You got the discipline. Everybody raved about it for the first year. But then it kind of turned on its head in the last two years saying, nah, you weren't player friendly. Nah, your grievances against the league. Well, Marone keeps his job in part, I think, because the players liked him, respected him. He had their back. Well, now he's going to go and and kind of bring back some form of discipline. Yeah. You know, or, or at least have some of that mentality to get the right culture in. See, that's why I think when you talk culture so much, and this has been, again, one of my biggest critiques of Dave Caldwell over the years, you can – you can critique the first-round picks. You can critique the one-loss record. I know it's there. I get it. Mm-hmm. But what I think people are missing is, and this is a hard thing to do, but they just haven't had the right mix of players. Like, you can have talented players, but if they're not mature, if they don't know how to handle success and failure, if there's too many different kind of personalities, well, you've got to have the right mix in there. I think it's players that help create that culture, uh, maybe now more than ever before. So... Take the Patriots out of the mix because they're the outlier. They're always the they outlier. They are the outlier. Right? So in terms of culture, they're they're in their own little stratosphere. Okay. You know, when you think about culture, let's say the past decade or so, you, you think about, you know, great coaches like Pete Carroll in Seattle. You think about the culture they've established now with the Super Bowl champs and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, even like maybe the Eagles would be a, a pretty good example when Doug Peterson got there. But I'm going to use Pete Carroll and Andy Reid as my example here. Okay. Pete Carroll and Andy Reid are players' coaches, okay? They're the guys that are going to try to get after you. Now, if you mess up, they'll get after you, right? But they don't rule with an iron fist. Um, It's not a dictatorship to them. It's more of a democracy. But the genius behind Pete Carroll and how he does things and the genius behind Andy Reid and how he does things is that he will be the leader. He, He will be the guy that's in charge until he sees his team is ready to take over for themselves, right? Until he sees that, you know what, we have great captains, we have great veteran leadership. I'm going to turn over the reins to those guys. They'll keep me updated with what's going on, and we'll work on this together. All right? Once that time has come, then it's great. You know, like, obviously, you talk about the Seahawks. Earl Thomas left on a sour note, right? Like, I'm reminded of Earl Thomas getting hurt when he wanted out, giving the the middle finger on the sidelines. I get that. It's not going to always be hunky-dory. It's not going to always be, you know, perfect. But I think what Pete Carroll's been able to do through this entire time where – 
you know, taking quarterback and Russell Wilson, who wasn't the leader in the program from the, the, the get-go. Obviously, you had Richard Sherman. You had Earl Thomas. You had Cam Chancellor. You had Byron Maxwell. You had Brandon Brown. You had the Legion of Boom, if you will. So you had all these guys that were the appointed leaders because they were great players, number one, and number two, they had a great attitude. When all those players left, Pete Carroll maybe took over a little bit again. He's like, all right, I, I got to ring this shit back in. And what happened? He gave it to Russell Wilson. So to me, a great coach, a coach that can relate to his players. He said ship, by the way, with a P. I didn't say ship. Sorry. But but to me, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to me, a great coach um, can take his players, Brent, and he knows when it's time to hand over the reins to him. Gus Bradley had that in Seattle. You, you, you literally brought over a guy in Gus Bradley who had the blueprint from Pete Carroll. He knew what to do. The problem was, though, with Gus Bradley is he, he turned over the keys way too quickly, right? Because they didn't have the locker room to succeed. And that, I think that was a problem in 2018. And four now is the fact that you had success, everything was going great, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, these players can take care of themselves now. We're, we're, we're winners, man. We went to the AFC Championship game. We're going to be okay. Well, you didn't have the right locker room for a man, and then you struggled. Well, here's the thing. You know, uh, it's it's interesting you say that because I'm reminded, going back to, like, the Gus days, I have numerous conversations around, especially that last year, but I think even in year three, it's like sooner or later they have to take ownership. Mm-hmm. It was something that he kept saying. You know, that does come from the, the Carroll kind of philosophy. It's like, okay, yeah, you can help them along, but they've got to take ownership sooner or later inside that locker room. Mm-hmm. Well, the criticism early on to me was they didn't have enough of those veteran guys. They got rid of the Daryl Smiths of the world, and, and they didn't keep enough of those guys to take full ownership or at least share that to be able to get ownership. And now we look back and we see some of the players that were in that locker room. Yeah. Well, were they ever going to really take ownership? I mean, was that mix, the mix that just kind of exited town over the last couple of years? Were they really going to take ownership? Mm-hmm. Uh, that started mostly in 16, but you get my point. So it's a really delicate, it's a delicate balance because if you look at this franchise right now, you've got players asking for their way out. Mm-hmm. So it almost screams of, okay, we need some discipline around here. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a coach who's kind of done a little bit of a 180 in the last year and a half to say, I'm kind of more player friendly. Now, I think Doug Marone would say he's always been player friendly, but at least to the outside, he seems very players coach in yeah. the last year. And I don't know if I would characterize Doug Marone yeah. as that back in 17 and 18. So where is it? You know, wh- which way are you going to go? And I mean, I kind of just put the question, but what will the culture be of the Jaguars in 2020 and moving forward? Say they have success and say, what do they want it to be? What's the what's the vision for the culture here in Jacksonville? I think it's a little muddy right now. Here's the problem, though. Doug Marone obviously wants to do it his way. Right. And that's the anti Tom Coughlin kind of way. Right. Like, you- I don't think Doug Moore wants to have these strenuous training camps, these two and a half hour training camps, these, you know, these starters playing during the preseason. But here's the problem. I just talked about Pete Carroll. I talked about Andy Reid, where once it's time and once everybody's ready, they give him the keys, right? And the captains take over, the leadership takes over. Brent, look in that locker room right now. Who are you giving the keys to in that locker room? All right, because I'm not going to give him to Yannick Ngakwe, obviously. I can make an argument. I can't give him to Leonard Fournette. I mean, Schobert, I guess. But guess what, man? Schobert hasn't even been in the stadium no, yet. That's too hard. You know, Miles Jack, possibly. Yeah, Gardner Minshew, maybe. That was maybe. shaky last year. Gardner Minshew, maybe. Well, DJ I would think Minshew. Listen, the bottom line here, and this was a little bit of the problem over the last 10 full years, it, and, and by the way, a little bit of a problem that got a lot of pushback in town, is when Nick Foles tried to develop that. Mm-hmm. Right. And even when he came back off the bench, he tried to develop that. This was a guy that knew that existed, had to exist. And it starts with me, the quarterback. 
That's where it needs to start. You look at the successful teams, that's where it starts. Well, Foles, was tr- to his credit, was trying to get that developed in the offseason and training camp. Well, then he gets hurt, and then it blows right up in his face because of the, just the, the way the Jags have done versus the way he was talking in front of a microphone. It just didn't add up. But the problem over the years, man, was Bortles. Bortles didn't have enough respect with his game to say, hey, come rally around me. Mm-hmm. You know, he just didn't. I mean, he's here for four or five years. You'd think if, if you're here for five years, come on, follow me. Well, he could never say follow me. One, because I don't think he had enough confidence in himself to perform day in, day out at a high level because he didn't. There was no evidence. And then around him, there was no evidence. I always say this, and if, you, if you've followed me around for the last few years and heard me talk, I say the most important game of Blake Bortles' career, the reason why maybe in 2017 they went to where they went was because of Perfect calling him out when they played the Cincinnati Bengals that week. And mm-hmm. Doug Marone brought Bortles in a meeting Saturday night before and said, we got your back, man. And then he came out and won the game and they played well. I mean, he didn't light it up, but they played well. That gave that locker room for the first time since Bortles was in Jacksonville a chance to say, hey, man, we love you. You're our guy. Well, look what happened since that after that, right? That year, he goes on a nice little streak. He's got confidence. He's got, oh, wow, I don't walk in this building, and half the people are yapping at me like I can't throw a football, and half the people are, man, this guy's tough. We love him. He's a good dude. He's a good fit. That's the way Bortles felt walking through that door mm-hmm. just about all the five years he was here except for that stretch after that Cincinnati thing. That was why it was a brilliant move by Marone to bring him up in that meeting, in the team meeting on that Saturday night, and say, hey, Perfect saying this, we got his back. And that changed the season, in my opinion. If you could do the last dance, if you could do a documentary on that season, to me, that changed the season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if you look at it in totality, that was two months. In five years, Blake never had that. Now, Portals didn't even earn that. He He wasn't consistent enough. I mean, in training camp, Allen Robinson's calling him out. So it's hand in hand. The reason why the Jags have had a tough culture to build is because they haven't had a freaking quarterback around here since, let's give David Garrard, you know? Yeah. Now, is Minshew the guy? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he can say, come rally around me. He's got the that alpha dog personality. He's got to prove it. He's yeah. got to earn it. But if he becomes that, all that stuff happens quicker. You know what I mean? It just no, happens I, in, a, in a faster listen, way. Listen, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, Having the alpha quarterback, yeah, it helps out in spades for sure. But you have guys like Jared Goff. You have guys like Joe Flacco. They went to Super Bowls, and they, they were the guys that were saying, all right, everybody, I come, come on and get on my wagon because I'm going to lead us to the promised land. I don't think Joe Flacco's ever said two words on a football field. So well, it can be done without it, but here's my point. Flacco had the stretch like Bortles, though. He was very much like that. He had this brilliant sure. stretch. Well, yeah, and, and he got paid because of it. I and mean, I would he say golf, the playoffs. golf is one. That's a good call on golf. It's a little interesting, though, because don't you feel like McVay, it was kind of his team. Like, all the respect yeah, was for him. It was like he was that. Throws, though, man. I get it. You I know, get I mean, it. He's still it just, the quarterback. It felt like McVay had a locker room stall instead of a coach's office (laughs) i got you You know what i mean no i see what you're saying here but here's my point you asked the question what has to happen now with the culture like what is doug marone going to do going forward and to me it has to be obvious and to me it's not going to be a popular answer for those players in the locker room but doug marone's got to tighten the reins up because you don't have the calais campbell you don't have an aj boye you don't have any guys that throw the keys to to say you know what guys we're taking a little bit easier because we have the vets in place. You guys monitor this thing. Make sure everything's going according to plan. Report back to me, but you guys are in charge. 
You don't have that. The Chiefs have that. The Seahawks have that. You know, I think the Eagles have that. The Jaguars do not have that right now. So with that being said, you kind of have to rule with an iron fist in this training camp just to make sure guys are on the same page because you do not have the leadership. You got rid of it to try to take over. Yeah, it's a really good call, man. As you're talking and I'm thinking, and you're right. I mean, you're not wrong here. So I'm trying to think who would step up. But really, it reminds me of what they had in 18, that they asked to step up and be those guys. And they picked the wrong guys. They had Telvin Smith, wrong guy. Had Leonard Fournette. Wrong guy. Mm-hmm. You got Calais Campbell, fine, yeah. Brandon Linder, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that would have been Bortles' year, right? With Brandon Linder? Uh, with- 18. Yeah, would yeah. have been Bortles' year. Yeah. I think, did he have a captain? I think, uh, was he a captain that year? Blake Bortles? Yeah, he might not I, have been. I think he was. was he? Yeah, let me go back and check it out. They had like six captains. You know, McCray, yeah. McCray, Linder, Calais, obviously those guys are fine. But they picked some of the wrong guys. And Linder actually even got hurt, I think, that year. So then he couldn't. Blake Bortles, Brandon Linder, Leonard Fournette, Telvin Smith, Calais Campbell, Laurente McCray. Yeah, so, I mean, take think about half your guys. And Linder got hurt, so that eliminates another one. But half of your captains that you're talking about there, really? I mean, Bortles was benched like twice. Telvin Smith gone awry at the second half of 2018. And Leonard Fournette, the whole year was lost with him on and off the field. Yeah. So but the, like, to your yeah. point, you can have the guys, but you still better pick the right guys to lead. And that, that's what this showcase in the last few years. And that's what I go back to and say, you've got to find the right mix of players that can sustain winning. You can have super talented team that might win one off and have a year like 17 yeah. because they were talented players. I mean, that defense was so damn talented. But you can't sustain it through the ebbs and flows of professional sports if you just don't have that rock-solid stuff. Well, and the Jaguars haven't had enough of it, quite frankly. And listen, and that's what makes the role of coaching so important, right? Because 2017, one could argue you did it Tom Coughlin's way, right? You had a hard training camp, and what happened? You reap the benefits of that, okay? Now, one could say Tom Coughlin gets all the credit. Obviously, it was a, it was a collective effort, I think. I think Doug Marone had some input on that. But what happened in 2018, all right, the reins were loosened up a little bit. And this is where Doug Marone made his mistake. He thought that since your team was successful in 2017, all the pieces are in place. You can go ahead and make Blake Bortles a captain. Go ahead and make Leonard Fournette a captain. Go ahead and make Talvin Smith a captain. Go ahead and make Calais Campbell a uh, captain. And go go ahead and let them monitor themselves because, oh, you're good. You, you won last season. Everything's in place now. But he made the tactical error of thinking that those guys were ready to lead. Now, Clarence Campbell obviously was ready. Yeah. Telvin Smith, you can make the argument that he was pretty good. Yeah, but he, but he got he got he got off the tracks in that year. That's yeah. when it happened. Like yeah. in the second half of the year, he became a guy that you thought was that guy, but wasn't that guy. Yeah, but you know, it was just we go back to all the discrepancies that happened in 2018. It's because the guys weren't ready to take the wheel, Brent. They okay, if you're Doug Marone, you still had to have a hand on the wheel because those guys were not ready yet, and that's been the biggest problem at Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's what makes a great coach a great coach. It's you know when those guys are ready to take over. And my biggest fear right now going into the 2020 season is you have a lot of young guys, maybe the youngest roster in the NFL. You have a bunch of new free agents. You can't hand over the keys, man. You have to roll with the iron fist until you know they're ready. And guess what? Spoiler alert. They're not going to be ready for a while, I think. Yeah. Uh, by the way, 2019 captains for the Jags, Foles, hurt. Brandon Linder, fine. Calais, fine. Miles Jack, ejected from the first game. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and Cody Davis. So, I mean, it's really 18 and 19, the run of captains. Again, I'm not, I think we're overstating captains, but I, but your point is leaders. I'm saying leaders. And, and, yeah. but, and on top of all that, you lost Mercedes Lewis and Puzlesny mm-hmm. somewhere in that fold. 
And, and it's a very fair point you have. What's it going to look like? Who is it going to be? Do you trust Miles Jack to do it? Schobert's too young, who, who, uh, too new. Who else do you have? <laughs> is Minshew going to be named the captain? Oh, oh that's absolutely. not going to be. Is yeah. DJ Chark? DJ Chark's so soft-spoken. Is that okay? Maybe it is. That's okay. Linder will be a guy again. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Uh, is Avery Jones become a guy? Yeah. You know? Uh, I, it's... It's a great call. It's interesting to see where they go. They don't have a lot of it. They're going to have a super young team, but that's such a, a tired excuse. Super young team, super young team, super young team. Even if you don't wear the C, mm-hmm. you got to find those guys that take the own. Now, Schobert could become that guy. You know, oh, by the time they get to September yeah. and October, he could become that but, guy. But he has to earn that, Brent. He has to do, and so does Minshew. You know, mm-hmm. whether Minshew starts with it or not, Minshew has to grab that and take that and, and run with it. And and by the way, he had, was able to do that in short order at Washington State. Came into a very difficult situation. Yep. Well, he's in a difficult situation here, so maybe he can do it. All right, we got to shock your mock one, uh, two more times. Yep. So let's go to it. Uh, didn't think we'd get onto that conversation let's for so long. Rub those paddles together, clear. Because we got some music again. <laughs> Nope. Checking the buzzers. Or I was just, just checking the buzzer oh, I again. You were making fun of my paddle comment. Next, no, well, I was hoping I could time it up with you. <laughs> next up, it's called Jag Stanza. Yep. Take center stage. Yep. Kuz is setting the, the 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 monitor now. And we call this the. He says, "Quote: You are welcome, Minshew mock draft." Also, Brent, can you please admire the avatar real quick? Who is that? You know that guy is. That's, I mean, it's pretty obvious because of the guy's name, Jake Stanza. Oh, uh, yeah. That's Little George. Seinfeld. Yeah, that's George yep. Costanza. So, With listen, a Jags hat on. Very uh, nice Photoshop. Nice Photoshop. I'm a big uh, Seinfeld guy. So, an immediate points here, by the way. So, this guy's off to a good start. Let's see where we go from here. Kuz, music ready? Nope. All right. So, that's, that's not a big deal. I think right. we should use Terminator 2 music. But by the way, the first movie I ever cried in as a kid, Terminator 2. Really? First movie I ever cried in. Yeah. The ending, dude, when he... Spoiler alert. So You ever see The Champ? No. I think it's The Champ, it's called. Okay. The boxing movie? Yeah. You'll cry in that one. You ever see Brian's song? Yeah, it's tough. I've got to tell you, man. Never cried at a movie. Really? I've come close. Nah. (laughs) Nah. You know, you know what just happened here? You know, it's just happening. He's the guy that says, honestly, <laughs> boom. Or yeah. to be honest, yeah, boom. I yeah, have it. Yeah, yeah. Since we're talking about it, check this out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now I'm just bobbing, man. I'm thinking of Brian's song. All right. <laughs> hey, shake, shake it off. It off. Come shake on, it man. Off. Here we go. Bring your A game. This we need a culture in this room. No one can pick a mock draft right besides me. Let's get serious. Here we go. Number nine, Jake Stanton coming in with Jerry Judy out of Alabama. Arguably the best wide receiver in the draft. Once again, here we are. Tale is all this time. Do the Jaguars need to get up that high for wide receiver? Probably not. I think they have a, a top 10 wide receiving core in the NFL right now. I'm not mad at Jerry Judy, though. Nice pick there. Number 20, Javion Kinlaw. Javion, <laughs> Whatever. Javion Kinlaw. You're getting him and Jason mixed I'm up. Just, I'm, I'm upset that he's at number 20 right now because I don't see it happening. But I, listen. This happens in every one listen. of these mock drafts, Kinlaw Falls. It ain't happening. If it happens... It happens. I'm not mad at this pick. If this is what happened, okay, I'm going to go with it. Josh Jones, number 42 offensive tackle. Once again, you know how I feel about I'm him? I'm at 42, though. But in the second round, I'm kind of impressed. Yeah. I'm not bad. So right now, this guy's staying true to his work. You we love cool. Akers at 73. You're in we, trouble on this one. Cam Akers running back. Right now, you know what, Brent? This is the You're Welcome Minshew mock draft. It Jack is. Sands are off to a hot start. But wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second, as I scroll down, Brad, do you see a corner anywhere in this draft besides pick 
170? Oh, my. It looked so good. Josiah Scott out of Michigan State, by the way, pick 170. Do you, do you know what his nickname Michigan State was? is, by the way, because I watched this game when he played Wisconsin? No. His nickname is the Nat. Okay, I don't want gnats on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I want alpha dogs. I want Doberman <laughs> pinchers coming at you. So here we go, Jake Stanza. This is a you're welcome Minshew draft. Well, how about a this is a middle finger draft to the Jaguars defense because you took a corner at pick 170 and a safety at 206, and that was it. I get it. Offense is sexy. Offense wins games. Check out the Kansas City Chiefs. Check out the Baltimore Ravens. You cannot neglect the defense, sir. Yes, you have Bradley Anae at the edge rush at number 116, but you didn't address the cornerback situation. You appear to be a Seinfeld fan like I am, so let me put it to you bluntly. Your mock draft belongs on the Peterman reality bus tour, <laughs> along with those muffin stumps that Elaine Bennis was trying to pawn off because nobody wanted to eat them. The homeless wouldn't touch them, so they need to go to the dump with the uh, with the Peterman reality tour because guess what, Jake Stanza? Your mock draft sucks. Oh, man, do I love Seinfeld, though. You it's a good what? show, man. We would be Best so excited about that. And then all of a sudden, you realize, like, you'd realize, oh, wait, who's playing corner? <laughs> exactly. Thank you, man. Did you know what I'm talking about with the, the Muppet Stumps? Probably not. It's <laughs> yes, all right. I okay. I've, I've seen it enough, but I don't, I am not like uh, Seinfeld, so like every episode yeah. can say, I'm not that. I'm, uh, but, I'm, I'm so I mean, basic how can you not like that? Seinfeld? Thank right? you very much, man. And Friends, by the way, Friends is not that good. Uh, <laughs> all right, Mach 7, the, the, the final mock draft, Brent, of the day. Can we end on a good note? Can we end on a good note? Who's... Oh, man. Thank you very much. I'm going to say no. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see what we got from Mr. Cody Hutchinson. He's got a nice family photo of his avatar. I don't want to grill the guy. He looks like a nice, wholesome individual. Let's see what we got here. Good posture in the photo. Great Great posture in the photo. Absolutely, Brett. Um, pick number nine. Oh, we're off to a good start. We're off to a hot, sexy start. You like Isaiah Simmons. Simmons, number nine. Hey, and it's realistic. I he think Simmons should come with an asterisk and tell me what you're doing with him. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point because you, you know what I'm going to say? I'm not quite sure yet, Brett. I think outside linebacker at 3-4, yes. but I'm not positive. So Isaiah Simmons, you know what, man? You hit the hard shot, all right? You, you hit the 300-yard drive. You're on the green. You got a 10-foot putt. Bring us home, sir. Brent, that was right. That was a golfing reference. That was good. Okay, good. Yeah. Cody, you're on the green. Just tap it in, and let's go home. Pick number 20. Tough to tap in a 10-footer, but... Five-footer. Uh, pick number 20. Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma. Do I need to say any more? Well, not really, because they play defense in the Big 12. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, they do not, Brent. That's a great question. Not since Joe McCoy has a proper interior defensive lineman come out of the Big 12. And why you reached up to get him, I'm not sure if you're related to him. I'm seeing your picture of <laughs> the avatar. You don't look related to Gilmore, so I'm not sure why you, Gilmore, not sure why you picked him at number 20. There was corners to take. You could have took, I mean, possibly a Fulton, or if you're a mad scientist who thinks he's the best corner in the draft, a Diggs, if your name's <laughs> Brent Martin. I'm still upset, but I'm still irate at that pick <laughs> yesterday. I can't even get off it. But anyways, and then you have Lloyd Cushenberry at the pick number 42, Ooh. interior offensive lineman from LSU. Once again, then, interior offensive lineman at 42, Listen, Cody, 
You look like a nice guy. You got a, it's a nice picture. Brent thinks you got great posture. I agree with him. You got a nice potted plant in the picture. That was great spacing, great cropping work right there to get everything in the picture. But you know what? As far as the picture is concerned of your mock draft, sir, your mock draft for the last time today sucks. You know what's crazy about this? And I know you liked him from the Senior Bowls, Antonio Gandy-Golden, that wide receiver. Yeah. But that's a first, that comes at 147, A.J. Green, cornerback at 169. Yeah. I mean, two of the big spots that you really like to grab, yeah. too deep for well, that one. And listen, and I wanted to like Gandy-Golden, and I wanted to sing his praises during this mock draft. But when you're taking Gallimore at number 20 and Cushenberry at number 42, Brent, I can't even get to the guys that I like, like Golden-Gandy. So nice job, Cody Hutchinson. You ruined the thing for everybody. <laughs> Hey, hey, Golden Gandy, I know you followed me on Twitter. I apologize, dude. Go ahead and blame this Hutchinson guy because I want to talk about you, but we couldn't fit it in. It's only a three-hour show, and I can only hit on somebody for so much. I'm going to give you a chance, by the way, because tomorrow we're going to celebrate maybe the, the diamonds in the roughs of the draft. We're going to have yeah. a couple of guests on, yeah. uh, a couple that uh, might be yeah. diamonds in the roughs, be in that position. And I also want to ask so a little homework assignment for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We have not talked about the Senior Bowl in a long time, Correct. but we were there. That's where they found Gardner Minshew. That's where they found a lot of players through the years. Mm-hmm. Could there be one of those guys that we saw, we interviewed, we talked to, or maybe we didn't, but performed well? Ken Law comes to mind. Of course. That the Jaguars like. The Jaguars have done some work in Mobile mm-hmm. every year, it feels like, in the draft. So tomorrow on the show, a little bit, hey, who are we missing? I like it. You know, a lot of Gators were there as well, right? Now, you know, It was uh, Zuniga yep. and Jefferson. There were a bunch of them. So uh, I think it will be interesting to look back a little bit mm-hmm. on players we talked to, players we saw, kind of some of the conversations of that week yeah. as we go to the eve of the NFL draft. Well, keep in mind, last year, I mean, there's a bunch of – you like Daniel Jones. You saw, you saw where Daniel Jones yeah. went. Debo Samuel was a guy that we both liked and everything. So I like that. I like that game. I like that homework. Um, I will have that too tomorrow. Excellent. That will be on tomorrow's show. But we're not done with today's show. More Shock Your Mock tomorrow and Thursday oh, yeah. as well. Keep so continue coming. to send them in. We had a lot of fun. Have a lot of fun with that yeah. segment. And uh, we appreciate it. Hopefully you're, uh, you know, uh, we're just uh, messing around a little bit. Well, I am. I'm not. I mean, I kind of am, but it seems yeah. pretty genuine. It's authentic. I'm picking the best one and you're getting some ESPN six. 90 gear. You get a koozie at the very least. <laughs> when we come oh, by back. By the way, do you, do you have your pick today? You think goes the best one or not? Oh, no, I'm not doing that. I told you. Oh, I'm not right. giving You're any not the no leaders yeah. in the clubhouse. Okay, no, there's no. All right. Uh, I got to do homework. I, I have sleepless you. nights over this stuff, remember. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 690. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s Player Profile. When you look at Fulton, it's basically like a shortstop. You make an error early, does it bother you the rest of the game? Two years ago, it looked like it did. This year, I think he had a short memory, and that's what you need at cornerback. Fulton, I thought, developed that, and I think that allowed him to really prosper at corner and develop a corner and let that talent really shine through. Was just out there playing and not playing with any worry about getting beat and drawing a penalty. This kid's 5'11 and a half, almost 200 pounds, runs 4'4'6", and he's a gifted athlete. And I think he's the kind of kid who will give you the effort, give you the desire. He had his best season at LSU this past year. That's your guy. Hey, Mel Kuyper, not good enough. I wanted more. <laughs> That's three you know three what? catches for under 50 yards against Alabama. Where was that little nugget? But here we got Brent Martin going on Gold Wingo saying, well, he, you know, Diggs goes against the best wide receivers every single day of practice. Well, how did I go against LSU for him, Brent? <laughs> 100 and something yards receiving, gave up 12 catches. The kid gave up 12 catches. But I'm sorry, what were you going to say? 
the one thing that caught my attention and, and Mel talked about it too, which is a very strange thing. And I saw, I actually saw conflicting articles about this okay. on Fulton. I saw one that said he's got a bunch of swagger. Mm-hmm. I saw another that he's had confidence issues. You cannot play that position and have confidence issues. But it did kind of was like, really? Like that's odd to be a top flight cornerback. Yeah. And have comp again. I Especially will say an ego driven position. But like Mel kind of said something similar there, right? Well, he because said that he, he just, had him before and then he got over those. It, uh, uh, do you though? Does, that, <laughs> does yeah. that concern you that you go back to the well a little bit? That's yeah. a little bit alarming to me. Yeah. Listen. Ball players are head cases. Okay, I'm a, I'm a head case. I'm a, I'll be the first one to tell you. You have to be a little crazy to play the game of football. All I know is you want to talk about confidence. The biggest game in the SEC, and quite possibly one of the biggest games in the country last year between Alabama and LSU. Primetime television. The world was watching. How did Christian Fulton do in that pressure cooker against three wide receivers who are now probably going to go to the NFL? He did great. He did great. He did great. And what I don't know, did you you went back and watch that game? I did. Um, now, did he maybe get burned maybe once and it was an overthrow by Tua? Possibly. But you know what? You don't see that in the stat book. <laughs> okay. What I was going to say is they point. had so many weapons, did they just avoid that side because they could go attack others? They, they, they didn't throw to him. And when they did try to throw to him, there's a couple of times where I'm reminded of when Alabama was in the end zone. This happened like three or four times. Alabama was in the, the end zone, um, Fulton on the outside, and he was going one-on-one against Ruggs. Obviously, Ruggs, speed guy, right? You can run slants with him all day and have success. There was a couple times where Tua tried to go to, to Ruggs on that slant, and Fulton said, no, no, not today, and took it away. And then he had to go to the second option. Now, the second option was Judy, and it was open a couple times. But I'm just saying from the standpoint of were they trying to attack Fulton, not that much, but when they did, Fulton made sure the ball wasn't coming his way. All right, fair enough. Uh, let me ask you this, okay? Uh, bold city heating and air. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot or cold draft stock as we yeah. get closer and closer. Take away Akuda and Henderson, who clearly have established themselves as the top two guys. The rest, the Fultons, the Diggs, yeah. the Gladneys, the Johnsons. How good is that group? Mm-hmm. Like, you seem to really like Fulton. I do. I honestly think after really doing some homework, and, and again, I'm not that guy, that evaluate, I, I, I'm not credible enough for that. Yeah. But I will say, this guy has a ton of upside in digs that you could look up. I mean, this is what happens in the draft. Guys get picked number 22 or 20 or 28 mm-hmm. and end up as the best guy at their position. It happens. You can end up getting picked in the third round. So let's not be blind to that. I know it doesn't look good on paper right now for that to happen, but it's not like the top 15 guys were always the top 15 guys in the draft, right? Sure. We know that. So you could. I mean, Johnson has a ton of good qualities. Gladney, I don't I don't know if it's reaching to get him at 20. I really don't. I mean, it might be because the mock drafts say so, mm-hmm. but it might not be. Listen, a guy I love is Daniel Jeremiah, and he had Diggs all the way down at number 48 in his top 50. So I kind of went away from Jeremiah yeah. on that one to pick him up at 20. There's a lot of different variations when you get past the top 15, guys, is my point. But where is that group? Mm-hmm. As a hot or cold stock, and how good are they? Are they? Is there a like drop? We know the drop off between Kinlaw Brown and the rest is pretty big. Yep. I don't get the sense that it's as big at corner. It's not. And see, here's the thing about it. In my opinion, corner is a subjective position when you're. I think you're scouting people, right? Because you can scout a corner. You can say, well, you know what? This guy can lock somebody up, and he's a game changer. Kind of like Okuda, right? Like you know, no matter where Okuda goes, he's going to have success. 
but the thing with the quarterback position is sometimes you have to envision him playing in in your defense, right? Like where if you watch like a Kinlaw, if you watch Derek Brown, you watch him plays like that guy's a beast. I need him on my team. Well, you watch a corner and it's like, well, this guy's great, but how do how does his skill set relate to my defense? Is he a press guy? Is he a cover two guy? Is he a cover three guy? So with that being said, sometimes it's a little more subjective of what you think makes up a great corner. I will say this, though. I think in terms of are they hot or cold in, in this year's draft, especially kind of that quote-unquote second-tier type of guys, I think they're hot just from their position standpoint, right? Obviously, the quarterback position is the most important in this draft. Corner, you can make an argument, will be the second most important, right? Because a cornerback, a, a, a guy that you can put on a, a top receiver can make all the difference in the world, right? Like we saw with Kansas City. You've seen it with New England. Um, we've seen it with the Saints. I mean, you can go, go team to team that's successful. Usually nine times out of ten, they have, they have a shutdown corner to go along with that success. And right now, the Jaguars don't have that. And right now, a lot of teams are looking for that. So I think with that being said, the position of cornerback has never been hotter, Brent. Hey, Bold City Heating and Air has a, a ton of fantastic specials for you, especially during these times. I want to help you out from $500 cash back uh, for your old AC unit if you get a new AC unit to 0% financing, uh, and also a spring refresher. So make sure you check out Bold City Heating and Air. Give them a call, 904-379-1648, or visit them at boldcityac.com. I have some more breaking news for you, and this is big. Uh-oh. You know Mike DiRocco? Yeah. Good uh, good guy, Mike. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes. Uh, and I always talk to him in the press box. Yeah, now, DeRocco sometimes cool wanders cat. in enemy territory, so, I mean, we don't drop his name all the time. Okay. But... Uh, good man. Works for ESPN. Yeah. He just did his mock draft. Okay. Guess who he picked? And it's not number nine. And at number nine? Uh, Kinlaw? Javon Kinlaw. My man, I see you, Duraco. At number 20 in his ESPN mock draft, guess who he picked? Kuz, get that buzzer ready. Did you take digs? Are we, are we shocking the mock of the late I'm entry? I'm about to shock him out of a friend if he, if he takes Diggs. Sure, Sherman Diggs. I love you, Mike DeRocco. Hit, 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 hit the button. Thank you. Sorry, I know what it was called. I'm so, upset. I'm so flustered right now. Hit that thing that you hit sometimes. Listen, <laughs> you, you people in sports media for the Jacksonville Jaguars. DeRocco, man, I love you. I talk to you in the press box all the time, but you guys are a bunch of lemmings. You just see something and you go off the cliff. You and Brent Martineau included. I cannot believe you could have took Fulton. You probably could have took somebody else, but you decided to take Diggs. I'm not happy, Brent. And you know what? I don't want to say, I don't want to snitch on anybody because I'm not a snitch, but in terms of Collusion right now between mock drafts? <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Coos, write this down. My prediction for 2021, Brent Martineau and DeRocco will be filed in court for collusion because Diggs' agent paid Brent Martineau and DeRocco money to push that guy's name in the mock drafts, and I can't wait to see the cards fall, and I can't wait to see you do time because it's not right, and it's unfair, and it's unjust. <laughs> it's a vacation. <laughs> it's a vacation for me coming up in the penitentiary or penitentiary, penitentiary. Is that how you say that? You just go call it the pen if you want. It's all good. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. I'm going Shawshank. Yep. Go, 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 go somehow Carol Baskins for us while we're at it, too. <laughs> That's right. right. Coons, right? Was that a reference? Hey. Garo Baskin. Well, yeah. she's not arrested, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It would be Joe Exotic. Would Joe, be. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, we're going to hang out with Joe. 
Uh, the uh, yesterday I didn't get to this, but yeah. after I made the pick, go look and wingo. Here are some of the responses. <laughs> right? I can't wait. Scott Glazer says next best CB, but not Diggs. Mm-hmm. Tim says Maury Jefferson or McKinney. Barnes Gladney. Mm-hmm. Logan Dunn, Kalevon Chason or Gladney. Mm-hmm. Fulton, Fulton, mm-hmm. Terrell, Jonathan Taylor at twenty. Get out of here. Fulton, <laughs> Jalen Johnson. Diggs would be a good pick. Have to upgrade CB. Thank you, Queen. I said, why? Uh, that was a burner account, by the way. Yeah. Uh, your CB was a solid pick. Other than that, with all the Yon nonsense, with Epinesa still available at 20, he is more than just a pass rusher. He's a big body that averaged nearly two tackles for losses per game. So there you go. Uh, mm. Fulton, Gladney, Epinesa, or Gross Matos. Uh, let's see. Um what else? There was better than this. Oof, not ideal. <laughs> I think I'd take AJ Terrell. Corner, you can't play a football season seriously without our, with our starting corners. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Chase on, that's great value. Mm. Trade, <laughs> you can't do that in this, <laughs> yeah. this mock draft. You couldn't do it. Epinesa all day. Gladney, Chase on. Come on, where's it getting nasty I'll for me here? Chase-ons, yeah. Uh, let's see. I can't find them. I'm really going down. There's a bunch of different. I can look them up if you want me to. Uh, there's a bunch of I different ones here. <laughs> you may have. I, I, I may have. I mean, when the Houston Texans was quiet on that front, I went to Brett Martino's Twitter account and saw his mentions, and they did not disappoint. I can find them. In a here, how about this one comes in? I just said it. I just said, uh, Duraco. I said Fulton or Diggs, and I said I love you, Duraco. Yeah. And this guy. <laughs> it's Fulton or Diggs. Neither MF. <laughs> <laughs> That was my burner people, account. Yeah. People take this so seriously. Well, Brent, because I told you before, man, we're, we're in tough times right now. We're in a quarantine period. People need hope. People need entertainment. And you just slap them in the face, and you take a guy that could be taken possibly in the second round even. We don't know that. Of course. Now, I got probably more of this kind of stuff because you tweeted after. I did. Uh, and well, you just I, egged everybody on. I, 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 Brent, I didn't egg anybody on. I just I was stating facts. Okay, and those people took it how they wanted to take it. Now, were most people upset? Absolutely. So that's very telling of what people think about your pick um, as a general manager. That's uh, all I'm saying. By the way, the shock your mock stuff, they keep flying in. I know people are now trying to pay Austin yeah. to shock the mock. Yeah. Uh, before we go, and I find more of these nasty notes from you people, uh, is Steve still, <laughs> Steve still on the line? Uh, we'll get him in real quick. Uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Steven, what's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? We're good. good. Other than we're just trying to thicken up our skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all right, man. you got to have thick skin to get critiqued by Austin. You better believe it, man. Uh, Steven knows what's I up. Actually, I actually messaged you personally on tweet with my mock draft. I didn't want anybody to get pointers off me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I want to put it out there. Is that in my Twitter mention or like my Twitter messages, you mean, or what message? Uh, S. Boston. I, me- I-, I messaged you personally with my mock draft. Okay, and that's on Twitter, though, on Facebook, or where am I looking uh, at? Twitter. Okay. Twitter. Well, you know what, man? I can go ahead, and I'll put that one down for tomorrow, and all I can say is may God have mercy on your soul when I do it. Oh, I think I did pretty good. Okay, but, well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> mercy on your soul. <laughs> I, I admit I was unsure about the running back. I admit that. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. Whoa, we'll check it tomorrow. All right, what you got? We're going to get out of here in a minute. Uh my my question was uh, to your point about the regime for this coming year. I mean, you got to figure our 2017 year probably one of our best years we've had in a long, long time. But if you look at our lineup now, most of those players and egos and everything have, are gone besides Jack, Fournette, and Ngakwe. I mean, are they 
Uh, do you think maybe there might be a hint there that we're really rebuilding the purpose of what we want our team to be, getting rid of all those egos? Mind you, Calais and Bouillet, they were professional beyond belief. All right. Thank you very much, Stephen. So it's an interesting point, right, where you got rid of the egos and everything, right? Um, Yannick Ngakwe could be on his way out. Leonard Fournette, obviously, there's rumors that he will be traded. And essentially, I mean, who's ever last to go between Yannick Ngakwe and Leonard Fournette? That's pretty much it, Brent. You know, as far as we know right now, we have guys that, you know, maybe have rubbed some people organization the wrong way. Here's the problem, though, okay? Yes, you lost Jalen Ramsey. Yes, you're going to lose Jan. Yes, you may lose Leonard Fournette. Yes, you you lost all these players. Dante Fowler. I, I get it. But here's the problem with losing all those guys with the egos. They're good players. Correction. You know what? Some of them are great players. And great players win you football games. Okay? So... Is the culture change the fact that we get rid of, you know, kind of the, you kind of trim the fat a little bit and you get rid of the the distractions and the guys that don't have both feet in the foxhole? Possibly. But my issue is every team has players with egos. Every team has players that could be, quote unquote, rough around the edges guys. What makes those teams Super Bowl contenders is the fact that they can still make those guys work on their team. They don't trade them away. They don't lose them. Sometimes they even re-sign them, and sometimes they'll sign them when no one's saying don't sign them, but you know what? We're going to take a chance on them because that's what we do. So with that being said, for the new cultures and how it's concerned, yes, you have to tighten the reins up a little bit, go to a little more old-school approach, but at the end of the day, if you do still have some guys that are rough around the edges, make those guys work. Don't just throw in the towel and say you don't belong here. That's not how you win Super Bowls. That's not how you build a dynasty. It takes all types of players and all types of personalities, and you got to cultivate that. Good thing I'm not the GM, they said about my Diggs pick. He needs to be drug tested. Good thing he has the radio job and not trying to be with the Jags organization. Right? You know what else I'm noticing is how many replies and tweets I miss. I'm sorry. I like to try to get to most of them. Oh, yeah. I buried a bunch of them yesterday. It was not good. Yeah. Pat Drink says, stick to your board, Brent. Yep. Bolt City Cap said, take the rest of the week off. There you go. I, he I just wants to here, jump Brent. in. I got it from here, Brent. Don't worry about it. I mean... I'll be, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm surprised you still have a job because I was expecting to come on the show yesterday and be fired. <laughs> I, I expected the higher-ups to go, this Brett Martino guy taking digs at number 20? Number one, let's drug test him. Number two, he's obviously going to fail it because what other excuse is there? And let's get these guys out of the studio because they don't belong on sports radio. This is the best one from Tony. Come on, Brent. And it's going to Stephen A. Smith. Con? Stay off the weed. Tony Khan? <laughs> no. Oh, well, I, well, I thought Tony Khan was roasting you, too. <laughs> hey, uh... We'll do Shock Your Mocks and much, much more tomorrow. we got some guests from guys in the draft, the yeah. class of 2020. And that should have a fun show on the eve of the NFL draft. We'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.